Hello and welcome to this week's French Football Weekly podcast, the podcast that absolutely doesn't lose its rag in a losing position. My name is Chris and I am your host and uh, this evening I have got Jez and I've got Phil once again. Good evening to you both. Hello. 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 Uh, we we did try and get Matt back to uh, talk some PSG, but um, he he didn't he didn't run away. He didn't hide in a corner. He has a prior engagement with PSG Twitch TV this evening, so um, he's upgraded. But uh, we did try. Uh, so just before we launch into PSG takedown. I think it's only fair that we say we were going to try and keep it balanced, but um, given what we've witnessed in the past week, it's probably not going to be that balanced in terms of positive uh, news about them. So it is with them we are going to start. Maybe the off the pitch stuff we should just touch on first of all, um, because I'm just intrigued to get Jess's thoughts on on the uh, the new contract for Neymar. Big fan of the salary that he's going to be getting, Jess. I, I imagine. <laughs> I haven't actually looked at the salary. I didn't. I didn't pay attention to that. Oh, don't, aspect. <laughs> don't. Then um, it's a, it's a lot of money. That's all I'm going to say. I, I, you know, I I haven't had the most fun week on Twitter after daring to criticise both. Um, no, actually, not criticise. I did well. I dared to criticise Bielsa, and then dared to compliment or stick up for PSG. So I had two or three days of, of uh, quite consistent abuse on Twitter last week. Um, and I've said before, I sort of, with PSG, I feel like in a purely league context, that I think it's reasonable to question them and criticise them a lot. But I do feel sort of protective towards them on the European stage because I just think some of the abuse is, is, and criticism and schadenfreude is unfair. And, and you know, some of the glee about the defeat last week was was ridiculous, especially when you consider they were playing Man City. They weren't sort of playing, you know, I don't know, Doncaster Rovers or something like that. It wasn't like they were playing this poor little minnow. And and remember, you know, you can be cynical about the, the whys and wherefores, but it wasn't PSG who'd signed up to the European Super League, yet apparently they're still the, the nasty monsters. Mm. Um, but all that said... There is a lot to criticise them about, which I'm sure we'll get into. And in terms of just Neymar, I I still don't think, apart from in terms of shirt sales, I don't think you can really count his time as, at PSG as a particular success so far. And my feeling is that he's probably signed a new contract because both PSG and Neymar are to an extent resigned to the fact that they're stuck with each other and um, if this had been sort of more of a boom time financially for other clubs and if Barcelona were sort of riding on a slightly higher crest of a wave if that makes sense I think there's a good chance he would have gone there I, I, I don't really believe that he's loving his time at, at PSG and uh you know, if they had to just pick one of the two, I think PSG would still rather have Mbappe. And that's yeah. the one that, that's the important signing they need to make this summer, I think. Yeah, that's the one that, that is, is dragging its heels a little bit, isn't it? And uh, yeah, for all of um, Neymar's immense talents, and, and they are clearly immense talents, but uh, I, I think like you've said there, there's just something, it hasn't quite done it for me at the very sort of, not the very highest level, but just it just seems to play within himself it just it, something isn't isn't right but nevertheless he's got his big pay rise he's got his his branding etc sorted out uh he's also going to be wearing a rather interesting psg kit minus the stripe for next season with uh basketball looking shorts it's a very odd creation that one do look it up anyway off the pitch there's one thing on the pitch you touched on it there jez uh i'll come to you phil this one the European game I I don't... Sorry, I also did even though I defended PSG I also got a lot of abuse for criticizing the fact that they they uh sort of publicized their new partnership with the late Prince yes <laughs> yeah just, that was very bizarre yes, wasn't it? I know that it's different people in the marketing department to the people actually on the pitch or making transfers I'm not an idiot I just felt timing wise maybe it didn't look great and maybe they should concentrate more on winning trophies than these partnerships. Yeah, well, I did see that pop on my Instagram and I, I must admit I did have to look twice. Sorry, but... sorry, sorry, back up, guys, a bit. 
prince? Yes. You want to explain, Jez? I don't think there's much to explain. They just, uh, it's. Oh, I really think there might be. Up on the socials saying that. As any, actually, to be honest, I can't even remember what exactly the tie-in was because it was just so bizarre. But something to do with him doing a concert in Paris, I believe. Something a wonderful, suppose I was known as one of his greatest performances, and but, and it was but, this aligning of stars between the I, club and and him and whatnot. Oh yeah, he he is dead. They do know that, right? I, I'd like to think so. Yes, uh, I can confirm he is in, indeed dead. Um, so he won't do that again. So yeah, I, I would suggest that it was a, an odd. Oldest still alive. Their night in Paris. That's a fabulous DVD. If you haven't. Well, there you go. Yeah. I, I feel I feel like we've wandered off here, but but nevertheless. Yeah. Sorry about that. Um, <laughs> yeah. Right. Back to the football. Yes. Um, on on the pitch, what what did I, you make of the game oh, of Man City? Well, I <clears throat> so I feel like a a group of adults who are professional athletes shouldn't need to be told, don't act like toddlers, particularly a week after they acted like toddlers. It's not like this is a theoretical thing. They'd done it. It didn't go well. They shouldn't do it again. And, and yet they did. And they're out of the Champions League because when things went wrong, they lost their heads completely and chucked all their toys out of the pram or indeed stamped on those toys near the bench in full view of the cameras. Uh, so that was all extremely unedifying. And the fact that they didn't get a shot on target in the, the second leg, possibly because Ruben Diaz made like nine blocks and was awesome as usual, uh, meant that they didn't get close and they really missed Mbappe. That was the key for me. That, that was that was, when it sort of circulated that he might, you know, he might be on the bench initially. I was like, mm, that's not ideal. Then when it came out, uh, sort of JJ tweeting I, about it that he was in trainers and he just wasn't going to play. And it was I like, well, was I was terrified they were going to bring him on. To be fair, yeah, the really desperation factor. Fit. No, um, but things went so wrong so quickly, as it mm. uh, and then. Di Maria got sent off that you could see Poch thinking, no, not risking him here. It's no. This is lost. And for France in particular, that's probably a good thing. But definitely is, yeah. yeah the behaviour in that game was as unedifying as the first leg, and then we saw more of it on Sunday night. Yeah, we will definitely come on to, on to that for sure. As for Di Maria, I mean... What, yeah, he, what was wrong with the behaviour? I know there was there was a red card, but I don't think there was such bad behaviour in the first game. No, they they were they were pouting, they were kicking, they were. It was very toddlerish behaviour, and overall, I just it looks like if they have a setback, they can't cope with it. Which other teams who are at the top of the table? have setbacks and deal with it as adults. And I do think that there is a degree of petulance in the PSG side, which is not going to help them going forward. So there's certainly petulance, I can confirm that much. And I think on, on, on the night, they were, you know, they had a little spell at the start of the game where it just felt like they could have potentially... Um, you know, I think if they scored first, there was that chance Di Maria had himself actually where he knocked it wide of Edison's post when the uh, the goal kick kind of went towards him and or the miss hit goal kick. And I think that was that was a big chance. I think if they scored first, you, it would have been very interesting to see how Manchester City responded, but uh, they didn't, and uh, they go out for another year. Um, and unfortunately, we are going to see another All English final, which I can confirm I will not be watching. Um, Let's move back into domestic matters then and, and put the wonderful world of European uh, competition I, behind. Sorry, can I just add a little bit to the European stuff? Go on. Um, to be fair, like, Man City are a better team 
and there's no shame in losing to them. Um, and like I said, I think the first leg, I, I disagree to an extent about all the pouting and stuff. I don't think it's something in the in the first leg alone. I, I think it was exaggerated. I don't think it's any more or less than other teams do. Um, but the second leg, yes, they did lose it. I don't think they lost the match because they lost it mentally, but I think the match was already lost and therefore they lost it mentally. And as we saw domestically and we'll come to, it definitely is an issue for the team on the whole. But the European thing, what annoyed me is that there's no shame in losing to Man City, but because of the way they lost it in the second leg, lost it as in temper-wise, they sort of go out with no dignity. And what annoys me is that, like I said, I do try to defend PSG on the European stage and sometimes they make it difficult. I don't think they deserve all the stick that they always get, but yeah, they don't help themselves. And, and their reaction to the second leg defeat um, sort of retrospectively proved right people who would have slagged them off anyway. And that's what pisses me off. Yeah. Yeah, that, that's that's a, a good way of putting it, actually. Sort of rubber stamps what people, all the, the preconceptions people had uh, before. We'll, um, we will definitely touch on on that a little bit more uh, when we come on to the title race. Um, kind of want to jump back and forth here, because I do, I do want to start with Lille as we return to domestic action this weekend, because the... I think we all said on last week's pod, and I think we felt that the, one of the biggest tests of the last three games would be away at Lens, who themselves are are sort of were. Uh, I don't know if you can still say are. I suppose they still are challenging for the Europa League spot, or the qualification spot. And uh, this was a really good performance from Lille, albeit with a slightly fortuitous penalty. Mm-hmm. I would suggest, Absolutely which um, not. <laughs> no, of course you would. Of course you would think otherwise. No, seriously, I don't, I don't understand why anyone is suggesting it's slightly fortuitous. He'd, he'd, all right, he'd already got his shot away, but two people slammed into him from two different <laughs> directions. Where's the misfortune? Mm, yeah, I, I, I'm probably on on that boat as well. I, I, I just having watched it again, I looked at it and I go, okay, I can sort of see why people would say otherwise. Uh, but we'll come on to dodgy penalties. No, I think the 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 more um, important thing there was um, Michelin being sent off. Well, that yeah, I mean he he was also sent off totally deserved. Balls. I genuinely, I know I'm biased, but yes. I genuinely I cannot no, I, understand. I completely agree, Chess, about I mean, No, that was a, that, that was a poor that challenge. Played more of a part in, in the game as a whole. Yeah, to to get that, and I think Yilmaz, obviously that double, his second goal. That I was mean, brilliant. Woof. Um, yeah. It was a beautiful strike, curler around everybody. And like Lille won 3 0 against a team that's fighting for Europe. And it, I'm not going to say effortless because there were some things that went their way, not necessarily unjustly, but did go their way. And they just roll with it and looked comfortable yeah they never had to go to that high level did they i didn't think i think that was very important we'd said last week that this was going to be the match that kind of set up the weekend and they said like three nil there you go everybody else do your worst and that's i think a really uh kind of important um measure to put down for uh, the final two games because they are not giving up. They do not look like they're panicking, and Yilmaz is, you know, he, the wardrobe is putting them in. He's ageless. I mean, just just a man who's not had experience of you know playing in, the, in a top league and to come in and do what he's done. I just just think is is amazing, really. To be honest, and uh, yeah, I thought thought they were, were, were really good in this game, and they just they just did what they needed to do. A few people criticise uh, Jean Louis Lecker for the for the uh, first goal. Sorry, the second goal from Barak. I th- just thought it was a brilliant hit. I, I thought that was harsh. Can certainly lay the 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 uh, finger of blame at him at him uh, or point the finger of blame, I should say, in terms of the second of the third goal. Sorry, from Jonathan David, which 
that was rank bad goalkeeping. Not quite sure what he was uh, trying to do or indeed did do, which resulted it in... It was, but it wasn't like it fell to that. David's feet. And he that just, was a great finish. Yeah, no, really yeah, good. Still had a bit of work to do. Yeah, yeah, really, really technically very, very good with his, with his, uh, with his sort of drag back and, and getting him into space. And no, I completely agree. It wasn't, wasn't an easy finish by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so I just thought thought Leo were very impressive. And, and as as you both sort of alluded to there, I think it, it's it's looking very much like they are just they just found that form just at the right time once again. Uh, which I think is is kind of key as we as we move into or transition into the next game, which uh, which we'll talk about in a second. Just before we do talk about um, how the other teams responded, or in particular PSG, there is a, a lot of talk around players leaving Lille. Um, we've seen Bubakar Samari is apparently going to go to Leicester. That sounds like it's all but done. There's also a lot of speculation about uh, Gaultier's future. Um Jez, I'll pick on you on this one. There's quite a lot of managerial merry-go-rounds going on in Liga this summer from, from what we can tell. Certain coaches leaving and uh, others might be coming available. And other teams like Leon who just continue to deny it, even though it's pretty obvious they're going to change coach. But, you know, where, where what level is Gautier at? Because, obviously, myself as an Arsenal fan, I've had a lot of people, whenever I bring up his name, go, well, what's he done? And You know, the usual stuff. What's your sort of take on what level club he should be looking at. I mean, is Nice, for example, a sideways step? Because that appears to be the one that's that's on the, the tip of the tongue at the moment. I, for me, it's sideways step or, well, obviously on recent that's years... That's 30 it's point down step. I mean, come on. Yeah. I think Nice, are good. Mm. for the next couple mm. of years, I think Nice will have a lot more resources than Lille. So I could understand it, but it is still Nice. And if he's doing it based on maybe salary or a nice place to live, then absolutely, I'd love to live in mm-hmm. Nice person. Yeah. Um, yeah. But from a purely sort of football ambition thing, I think he can aspire to more and I think he deserves more. But I think, you know, this is a, it's always a debate and it's a debate a lot in England. And you know, I know we've spoken, for example, about, again, just to sort of heart back to Brighton and, you know, is Graham Potter um, good enough for Spurs or Arsenal? And and for me, not that I want him to leave. I think it's pretty insulting of, of and patronising of the two teams to suggest he's not good enough. Um, you know, he's proved himself by working his way up from the sort of, um, you know, the the Arctic Circle, whatever, to the lower leagues in in England, to 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 where he is now, which you know, frankly, is is a hell of a lot more of a sort of managerial uh, apprenticeship than uh, Mikel Arteta, for example. So I think there is a, a lot of snobbery, but then on the other side of it, you can you know, there's there's lots of examples. I suppose David Moyes until this season is is one of those that springs to mind of of coaches that do very well for a team get that chance to take a step up and and don't seem up to it so you know it can go either way but I think Galtier has, has kind of proven himself with two different clubs playing different kinds of football um, doing it with a settled squad doing it having to change his squad every every year so I think he's shown a lot of adaptability um, and I think he does deserve uh, a, a bigger job, whether it's like, you know, to me, like the Lyon job, for example, would be an obvious one if he was to stay in France. Although I know that, you know, former Marseille player and assistant manager that might not necessarily go down well. Also, Saint-Étienne coach, obviously. Um, or whether it's moving to, moving abroad. Um, again, they're one of, the, you know, the other sort of thing from a more kind of personal point of view is, is the language and whether he wants to move to England, for example. So there's lots of factors involved, but purely from a footballing point of view, I definitely think he's deserved the right to expect um, bigger clubs and bigger opportunities to, to sort of come in for him. Right. Um, but than, but than what I just think is, you are going to be playing Champions League next year. Yeah. And so... Wouldn't that be a better thing on your CV than wherever they end up in Liga? 
Well, that, see, the only I don't, argument, know. What I don't about, know if just being able to say you've been in Champions League exactly. is a good thing on your CV. Yeah, it's yeah, better to because they could there. be gutted. You could, well, be, Julian, yeah, I mean, could be Julian got, Stefan, He's got you? no Lopez, he's got no Campos, and he always said that they were a sort of trio and he wouldn't work yeah. without them. And next season, he could turn up for Champions League without Menon, without Botman, without Selic, without uh, Sumare, without, without at least one Jonathan, if not two. No, I know I get it. It just annoys me that this is how it works because... You know, you 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 looking at winning or coming second and playing Champions League, that should be enough. And it saddens me it isn't. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I think we said it lots of times, and that's one of the things that really annoys me when you know certain media sort of make fun of the French clubs for doing so badly in Europe. It's usually because it's a completely different team to the one <laughs> Yeah, yeah, a, a team that's gutted from from the inside out. Yeah. And often the fans taking the piss have got one or two of the players that got that team into Europe. Oh God, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I know. I, I, I'm, I compare to the. It's a bit. It's a tough decision, I think, for him because ultimately his. I wouldn't say his reputation is at stake, but it's kind of one of those situations where, for me, like you don't want to end up like Julian Stefan did, for example, where he sort of took the step up into Champions League, ultimately then got humbled and all of a sudden he was out of work and, and kind of forgot the belt. So, I, I, yeah, I'm kind of a little bit torn on, on no, which way. I think it's very harsh on Gautier to conf- compare him to Stefan. Oh, I'm not, not comparing them as managers, but y- y- you know what I mean. You know, it's that, that sort of uh, relevance thing. I just, I just, just would worry, and 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 this Lille side is clearly going to get broken up in the summer, which is a massive shame. Um, but in a weird way, that might galvanise them to to getting the title over the line, uh, which will bring us on to or back to, I should say, to PSG, who finished the uh, the weekend off on Sunday night. Um, President Kimpembe certainly finished off uh, a Ren player in the 87th minute. That's for sure. But uh, yeah, one finished the season as well. Well, yeah, and and should to be honest, for a challenge like that, it was it was reckless in the extreme. They went one up through through Neymar, having been I thought pretty average in the first half. For me, I, I mean, how this is a penalty, I I mean, I don't know, I don't know what really is a penalty and what isn't anymore. The fact that this this sort of can happen or can be reviewed and still given, I, I just found it really very very odd. But nevertheless, Neymar stepped up and and tucked it away. Only for Jurassic to score with a uh, what I was call an old-fashioned centre forwards header, really powerful <laughs> into the in off the far post, soaring like a, a very very big salmon, and, uh, and that was the point for Ren. And once again, uh, we saw PSG lose their marbles at the end. Um, but give... also, as we've seen many times before, Navas was brilliant. I mean, yeah, there were. Yeah nine saves he made he must be looking at that back line and just hurling crockery at them I mean it's very very weird that they have a world's best goalkeeper and a back line that you you can't trust at any point even with people like um, Marquinhos in it because they're in a sense more useful scoring goals than defending them, yeah. which is a weird situation to be. Yeah, they they were they were very uh, just just very brittle and and you, you the the longer this game went on, the more you could kind of see what was about to come. That was how I how I saw it. It was like the more this game went on, you just thought, yeah, PSG are in the comfort zone here. They're kind of chilling out. They're relaxed, and you just knew that something was around the corner and, and that something was indeed Jurassi. I th- well, I thought, Ren, PSG were arguably comfortable for a lot of the first half, but even sort of into the first half and then for practically all of the second half, I thought Ren were the better team. I don't think yeah. it was that... Um, but they, you know, they were really... They were getting the shots in. 1912, they were really pushing... And 
that's how Navas ended up being Navas, but they were really putting the shits up the, the bank line. I, what- I, I, th- I thought they I thought they merited their equaliser, um, and that that's for hundred percent sure because I just thought they you know they looked like a side that was not willing to just roll over and die. And you do see a lot of teams that play PSG as soon as PSG go in front, that's it, game over. They want to sort of hang out the the white flag Angers style. So yeah, I mean I, I was definitely sort of pleased to see the the fight in them, that's for sure. But um, th- there's a bigger issue at play here. Um, I'll get your take on on this one, Jess, because you were uh, you didn't get a chance to say about the disciplinary side of it previously. This is this is a problem, isn't it? And I I'm going to sort of put my bias aside here slightly, but I'm also going to drag it in a little bit. It's a bit of pressure on Pochettino because this is this is a coach who, albeit, has has come in halfway through a season. But when you look at what his predecessor has, has done at Chelsea. Where I mean, clearly, I don't think Tuchel was the problem at PSG. I think it was a, it was a breakdown in the relationship between him and the, and the um, and the hierarchy. Who'd have thought? But when you look at that, Pochettino to me hasn't really put a stamp on this team yet. I don't really see much improvement, if any. And the disciplinary side that's got to come from managerial level, hasn't it? I mean, you we, we've seen this before with PSG where sort of you know the days of the dressing room running the um running the pitch if you will and we and we saw that under the, the Thiago Silva sort of era but it's creeping back isn't it and this is this is sort of my concern is is I'm just not convinced that Pochettino is or has done enough at this stage I mean am I being harsh or is there a bit of pressure on him at this point particularly coming up in the summer I think there is pressure but I think Yes, the the disciplinary side is is sort of down to him to a point. I mean, you say creeping back. I don't think it ever went. I think the problem has always been the changing room, and and you know, I don't. The fact that Tuchel is in a European final, and although he didn't have the greatest time at Arsenal, although maybe with hindsight it wasn't as bad as all that. You know, Emery also being European final, I think it says a lot, and is a little embarrassing for PSG. Um, I just I think that this isn't yet Pochettino's team. He hasn't yet had a summer with them, so I think he he deserves you know even if they they miss out on the title as well as as Champions League, um, I think he deserves a little bit more time. Um, he did, to be fair to him, mastermind if that's the right word, impressive away wins at Barcelona and Bayern, and I know that Barcelona aren't the great Barcelona and I know that the Bayern match was a bit of a sort of smash and grab but I think he does deserve a lot of credit for both those results um I mean I I, I do think as as Matt said last week in some ways this year's Champions League run has actually been more impressive than last year's, even though they got to the final last year mm. so I think he deserves a little bit of time but yeah, I think he will still struggle. And I think it's for all the reasons that we've gone over so many times in the past that, that there is too much. Certain players are indulged too much. There was an interesting article in Lekip last week sort of going through various things that may need to change at PSG or reasons why they why they sort of haven't yet got the, taken that extra step in Champions League and one of them is they, they sort of came up with some quotes from the likes of Draxler and Di Maria on signing new contracts and how they, they often talk about how happy they are in Paris living in Paris and my wife is happy in Paris there's never any quotes about PSG no. <laughs> and <laughs> I wonder if it, if that is that also speaks to the same thing are they 100% motivated on the football side or is it about the lifestyle and the salary and, and living in you know what is a great city mm-hmm. but being pandered by the city and the they live in the money they have to spend in that city and let's be honest by um Al-Khalifi, who still seems to be a little bit too starstruck by the players you know you can go there are Marquinhos I think is exempt from everything I think he's fantastic yeah. and everything he does the quotes he comes up with you know last night as well he looked furious with what was happening he's the only one that really looked like he cared Kimpembe yes is a true Parisian but is one of those that 
is not just mentally fragile, I think performatively often fragile as well. Um, and then there's others, Virati, as fabulous as he is, also a liability both fitness-wise and uh, mentality-wise, and frankly has been there for all of these failures. Neymar, again, ab of course he's a superb player, but he was signed to get out of the shadow of the likes of Messi and prove that he is one of the world's great players who can carry teams to victories. I still don't think he's done that. And it's not to say that he hasn't done good things at PSG, but it's all very well scoring three or four goals against Dijon. He still hasn't really been there often enough when it mattered. Yes, he had a good game against Bayern in the second leg when Bayern were chasing it so he could sort of hit them on the break, that kind of thing. Not that he scored anyway, um, you know, missed a couple of good chances. But um, he's not doing it enough week in, week out. And I just, I, 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 it's not to slag off PSG, but I do think there's endemic pro problems there. And I, I still think they, you know, with the money they've got and with the brand they've got, that maybe it is worth a year or two of saying, we may not win anything, but we really need to start from scratch. Um, you know, think about how to bring through our extremely talented youth. Again, that's another thing I don't think PSG get enough credit for, weirdly, that because they're not playing any of their youth and they all leave, some of the best players in Europe now are players that PSG have brought through. And because of their misplaced project or, or sort of, you know, how they want to run the team, PSG aren't benefiting from them, but lots of clubs around Europe are. So maybe PSG deserve a bit more recognition from other people for that, even, even though they're not benefiting. Oh. Or maybe PSG should change their policy and play more of these. Yeah. Maybe yeah. I, maybe I, they've sold I, enough I, shirts I, now I, and they I, don't need a Neymar anymore. Mm -hmm. um, you know, maybe they, they need to get rid of a superstar or two in order to have a little bit more variety in midfield or in order to have um, fullbacks worthy of the name when the only decent one you've got, unfortunately, did his ligaments early in the season. Um, I just feel that you know, lots of people saying Leonardo should be sacked or Pochettino should be sacked. I think I still think it goes higher than that. And the, a lot of the project needs to be rethought. And I think that saying... A superstar or two. I, again, we've had this conversation before, but how many superstars are there in that team? Because there's a lot of average adequate players. players. I, I'm going to go with the word average. I think there's a I'm lot going of to very say average adequate players. because I don't want to have a shit week on Twitter. <laughs> no, um, I don't care. <laughs> Come at me. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> um, but that's the thing. They are not the, what would the Real Madrid team called, you know, the superstars? Galacticos, the, yeah. the Galacticos. They're not that. They've got Neymar, Mbappe, Di Maria, Verratti, Marquinhos, and Navas, yeah. but nobody ever counts goalkeepers. Mm. That but is they sort of are the Galacticos. That's the thing, I think. Because the Galacticos of, were found out as soon as they sold Makaleli. The sort of Galacticos with Remember like a side of Galactica. I just Florenzi, yellow. It I I feel like this is they're trying to do that, but they haven't. I'm yeah. I just, I don't know, I, I, I just look at that PSG side and I just think to myself, could I imagine certain players in that team winning a, a major honour, as in, you know, in, in European football, so I guess I'm saying the Champions League. I don't know, I just, I just can't. I like, I like Idrissa Gay, but I don't think he's good enough at this level. You know, I like Florenzi, not good enough anymore, was, but not good enough anymore. Um, the backup goal, That's what I mean, they're not... Enough. There's very few, there's not enough players in that team that you can say these are Champions League winning quality players in that position. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, I, I, I and it's and it's an unbalanced squad. I mean, what, what, you know, what side goes out and spends the money they spend on on Mario Riccardi, and then as soon as they buy him, basically give up on him. I'm not, again, not saying he's the answer to all their problems because he's he's, you know, had some very questionable performances this season, to put it mildly. But if you're going to invest in a player, you've at least got to stick with him and give him game time. And they just haven't, yes, albeit some injury. Investing in a player does not just mean money. Yeah. Exactly, exactly. And uh, and I'm wondering if a certain Kylian Mbappe is having a little think to himself now in regards to that new contract. I guess we will see. That's but the thing. Um, I mean, there, was, um, there was a phone in today on French radio and Eric Dimeco, okay, he's like Marseille, absolutely born and bred, died in all Marseille. So he's not necessarily going to be the most forgiving or kindest towards PSG. Yeah. But so I'm not necessarily 100% agreeing with him, but I can certainly see where he's coming from when he says when Neymar is out, Mbappe steps up. When Mbappe is out, Neymar doesn't step up. Mm. Yet Neymar, as you said, has just been rewarded with this new contract and huge salary. Draxler is getting a new new contract. Why the hell is Draxler getting a new contract? What the hell has he done to earn yeah. that? I couldn't work that one out. That was one that really confused me. I was just like, I mean, I like him as a player, but he's he's ne- he just he hasn't hit the heights. It's he, just, hasn't, yeah, he hasn't had the minutes to hit the heights. Which, yeah, but when he I'm, whenever he has, I'm he's flattered to deceive. He hasn't had the chance. I'm saying you can't look at him and say, oh yeah, he's great because your actions per minute is not. It's not but if he hasn't had the minutes, then clearly mm. they don't fancy him. For a reason. Yeah. Mm. Uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I mean, I'm, there's just, I say, I just, I look at that squad and I just think to myself, it, it, there's just so many things wrong with it. And, you know, there's talk that they might be bringing in Hector Bellerin from, from, from Argaf. I mean, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's very much on the cusp. Yeah. Or Serge Aurier. Or Serge Aurier, which would be just the most PSG thing of all time ever, wouldn't it? I mean, hell again. But they are they are also looking at um, is it Roman Favre they're looking at as well? So I mean, there is a little bit of a you know a change in policy, but that's that's, yeah, that's what they should be doing. But you look at again, like you know, Coman, who's won a championship every year of his career so far. Okay, that, that's partly because of the teams he plays for, but he came from PSG and got bored waiting for his... I know it's not just sort of impatience, it's also agents turning your head and things like that, but, you know, Komen, look at everything he's won, including scoring the winner against PSG last year. Look at Rabio. Yes, Juventus yeah. are not having a great season, but Rabio is now proving himself consistently and is exactly the kind of player that PSG are desperately missing in midfield. Yeah. And Mares is slightly different, obviously, but you know, he's the one who knocked PSG out last week. He's a Parisian. There's yeah. so many of the great, great players around Europe at the moment come from Paris and its suburbs. PSG are doing some, something wrong, not necessarily not bringing these players into the youth setup. There's only so many you can do that with. But once they're in the PSG youth setup, to be letting them go. We've gone through it before. How many of Lille's team have come from PSG's youth setup or yeah. Paris? Yeah. <laughs> we had that game a few weeks ago, didn't we? They had like four or five in the same squad. So, yeah. Menos, Umare, Ikone. I, I would just like I would just like I just like PSG to to just look at this quote unquote project just one summer. I mean, if there was ever going to be a summer, surely this is the one this year. And just look at it and go, do you know what? Yeah, we've got a lot of money, but let's just take our finger out of the wallet for for a summer. Let's let's give the likes of you know Xavi Simmons and and Co. their their time. And I'm not saying throw them straight in at the deep end because young players etc. and so on, but actually sort of blood them. Colin Dagba's another one, you know, give him some starts, backer. Just just put faith in them and bring in a couple of players that are, you know, not not again, all due respect, I like him, but not the Adrissa Gaze of this world, you know, from, from an Everton or a Moise Keane from Everton. But someone, you know, from at home, from Liga, somebody who is going to be in the future, you know, a future prospect, if you will, you know, a Camavinga, that that type of player that they can build around and have in the future that that's kind of how i see it so 
Anyway, uh, I feel we've done PSG to death. So um, let's move on to the race for uh, third and fourth, because that's also quite interesting. going to combine these two results together because it will make it uh, a lot less painful for me, first and foremost, priorities, <laughs> um, but also because we are pushed for time a little bit. So um, Leon got a four win at Lorient. Nothing else to say there. Let's move on swiftly now, I suppose. I well, I, I, just, I think Jez said, um, watching that, that, OL making heavy weather of it because I think the open goal hours was in the 53rd minute. But then after that, it was the deluge. Mm. Um, They went 4-0 up very quickly. And then the one back for uh, Lorient, Montcontry, was very late on. It felt like... Leon laboured a lot, but once they made it through, Lorient did not have a lot to give back. Apart from the goal, no, they pain you, but <laughs> that's how it looked. Yeah, I, the, the the chances came and went in the first half for Lorient. That's the problem. And once Hussamoar got uh, Leon in front, which in credit where credit's due is a fabulous piece of skill and, and finish. Once that first one went in. Um, Lorien were very much on the back foot. They had another chance to equalise, missed it. Paqueta then scored, and then they kind of just just went to rats. Um, Bruno, Bruno Gimares scored a, a retaken penalty after he completely fudged the first one and uh, tucked it away the second time, and then he himself got the the, the fourth. And then as uh, Phil said, Moncondry was easily the goal of the game. That was a terrific hit, to be fair. And you never know, like that one goal might make a massive difference when it comes to goal difference at the end of the season so I'm glad we got on the board so that was a good win for Leon can who, I just um, mention two things about that match you may indeed as long as they're not against Lorient of course first of all I think it's the first time that Ryan Shirky's played a full 90 minutes for Leon, and I thought he was excellent he was he, it was a lovely pass to Awa who took the goal brilliantly but um Cherky played his part in that as well. And um, obviously, sort of off the back of that, that winner against uh, Monaco last week as well. Hopefully now we're going to see a little bit more of him, a little bit more consistently. I don't mean his consistency. I mean him getting chances to play. Um, so I'm quite excited about that. And the other thing, you you know, yes, Lyon ran out easy winners, but at 2-0, you never know. And there's no way that that penalty should have been retaken. And Chris and I discussed it. And this is like, it's not just a this match, it's a wider thing. But I just, I think it's so out of order. The keepers have to stay on their line, whereas the the yeah. penalty taker is allowed to piss around and faint and faint as in with the knee as in like um you know pretty much dummy it and all the rest of it i just you know i think we've got to sort of meet halfway mm. yeah I, I i as you said as you said just the, the the penalty for me was was a bit of a joke and uh, yeah, the fact that the fact that he is he was able to to mess around as you said it was the neymar sort of slow run up kind of over dramatic. I I personally think it's all for show. I don't see how that gives you any advantage at all in a penalty personally, but that's just me being old fashioned. But you know, not a fan. Um but yeah no I, th- I think you're absolutely right. And a very good point about um Rayon Shirky who I feel like the only thing I'm gonna say about him in a not a negative but just something that I think he needs to be a little bit careful of. He he clearly believes in his own talent an awful lot, which is absolutely nothing wrong with that whatsoever. But in a week where we had a really really good interview with um, Kamavinga, who who I thought was very humble in his assessment of his own game, I feel Real Shirky might just maybe need to rein it in a little bit in terms of the on-pitch arrogance. I do feel like he's a little bit above his station without doing anything too much yet. I think he will go on to do a lot, by the way, so I'm not discrediting his talent but I just feel like some young players uh, go the Genduzi route and other players go the Phil Foden route to use a, a modern analogy I guess Well, There, but, was, uh, there was also a, a lovely moment they showed on uh, French TV over the weekend that um, when Ren played PSG on Sunday night I think Camerfinger was on the in the stands because he was injured he actually did the goal announcement for Garassi's yeah, uh, um, equaliser. Uh, uh, very professional. 
Yeah, very, very good. Yeah. So that was that was also a lovely moment. That's his future talent, clearly. That's his, his next. But to balance it out slightly, I'd suggest that maybe the reason that Kamavinga was mature in assessing his bad performances this season is because he's had bad performances this season because maybe he's got a little bit too big for his boots as well. So Yeah, yeah, that's probably a fair comment. But that, Shirky. No, Shirky is that kind of player. Yeah, um, he plays so, with the arrogance, yeah, doesn't he? It's what makes him... balance, but I don't think we've seen enough of him yet to say that he's necessarily got a little bit too much arrogance or whatever. I think we need to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Just, just a. Uh... I feel like Kamavinga could. I don't want to quote Trump. I feel like could like shoot someone in the middle of Times Square and everyone would find an excuse for him. But yeah, no, I, I know what you mean. Absolutely perfect. Yeah. Yeah, no, I think that's. Uh, I think that's fair comment. I think that's fair comment. Um, what about uh, Jez? Let me ask you then. While I've got you, Monaco one one nil. Not a lot to say about the game as in itself, apart from probably the goal scorer to give a mention to Elliot Matazo, who's made his breakthrough uh, in recent times, 19-year-old Belgian, really good finish, brilliant work from Ben Yedda to, to set him up. And uh, Monaco did one of those, go away from home and grind out a result. Were you sort of impressed, given that they had to bounce back uh, from, from last week? No, <laughs> Tell me why. Um... Well, you know, it was well done. They got they got a win away to Rast. You've got nothing to play for. You defended the goal terribly. Uh, I don't think it's anything to write home about. You know, a few weeks ago, everyone was flagging Lil off for grinding out 1-0 wins. This is what happens when suddenly you've got more pressure on you. And I think that's what we've been saying, that Monaco have, have managed to catch up with everyone else by having very little pressure on them. Now, suddenly, the last couple of weeks, they have done, and it's not as easy as it was, and it's not as free-flowing as it was. So well done for getting the win and remaining ahead of Lyon under pressure. But, yeah. That, that's all I've got to say about it. I don't think there's anything more special than that. Yeah, no, I think that's probably a probably a fair point. It was one of those games that I sort of watched, had a had an eye on, but it, it wasn't particularly thrilling. And it was one of those that you just thought, oh, I'm only going to pay here if they don't get a second goal. But uh, they, they didn't. They held on and they got the win. So that was the most important thing for them. We'll come on to the next round of fixtures in the title race and third, fourth place race in a moment. But uh we're going to kind of whip through fairly quickly because, as I say, we have gone fairly deep into this pod. But I do want to have a quick mention of the of the bottom end. Mm-hmm. We um, we know Dijon have gone, so they're kind of irrelevant um, at this point in time. They lost 3-0 to Anja. I mean, if you're losing 3-0 to Anja, then you really are in trouble. But uh, Neem won 3-0 at Mets. Sorry, Jez. What um, account for the goalkeeper, the goalkeeping for, I think it's Angers' second goal. The oh when you, yes, like, when, you watch, oh, when you watch the when you watch the YouTube compilation of of all the league and goals for the weekend, they always show again like they show a slow motion replay of the best goals. <laughs> but the only one they didn't do that for this time was Angers' second goal because the goalkeeping was so bad they just felt that that was worth another look. I, I, I felt like. I am 45 and have arthritis. If I fell over, I would stop that. Yeah, it wasn't his finest moment. I think it's probably a fair and kindest way I can I can put it. But uh, yeah, we, w- we won't mention that one too deep. Just 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 to save your your blushes. Um, not a great day for, for Mets, unfortunately, but a big win for, for Neem Fomba, Repar and Ferhat, probably the three of them most important players in general. Perhaps, uh, like, how much do we think he's going to go for in the summer? Well, it's France, so probably about 10 quid. But uh, yeah, yeah. Um, but he should go for a fair chunk, I think, because he is very much, very much a, a player who can, I think, play at a higher level. A couple of years ago, he's still there, so I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe. Some of these players do just tend to stick around, even though you last, you know, at least you expect them to, and they do. So we never know. Uh, Nantes... Really impressive. Beating Bordeaux by three goals to nil. Um, admin had to uh, correct his own tweet here. Hi, that's me. Um, because I was looking at the Ligue 1 table uh, not live and I thought it took them up to 40 points and leapfrog Bordeaux. However, I was mistaken. So I, I edited that tweet slightly because they do actually go up to 37 points. They are still in the relegation zone. But a 3-0 win over Bordeaux, who are definitely not out of this, this relegation battle at the moment... 
Um, but I just, just thought not really good. Koulibaly, Luza and uh, Colin Moane, of course, the three goals. I just think yeah. after, you know, last week when the Bordeaux fans came out in support and that gave them a good result, that it really showed that that support is important because then they've reverted to type. Yeah. You know, the comeback is off, as it were. So, you know, they've got two games left. They have to hang on. But I think it might be more important that the fans turn up outside the stadium in the car park than the players turn up on the pitch. Yeah. I, I, I just, I, I can't make up my mind about Bordeaux. Maybe we'll look at the next fixtures in a minute, but yeah, I can't, I can't really work them out. I just, you know, putting a really spirited performance last week and then this week just back to normal. So uh, yeah, it's just a really big win. And I say not really impressed me. Three straight wins all of a sudden. Um, yeah, uh, I'm slightly concerned. Sorry, I'm a fan, of course, just above them. And we can't rule out Strasbourg either who were subjected to a thriller in Montpellier, oh, um, which you wanted to mention, Phil, in terms of, I'll just run well, down the scoreline, which yeah, was 3-2. I... Uh, Laborde with two, Delors, and Jorge and Zoe with the goals back. But yeah, you wanted to mention this. It, I think it was just because I was watching the Canal Plus uh, kind of roundup last week, uh, last night, and they've got, obviously, the pitch mics going on. So Montpellier went 3-0 up. Double from Laborde, including a bicycle kick. And one from Delort. You got Matt Sells, who is the uh, Strasbourg goalkeeper who's mic'd up, whose response to the Laborde bicycle kick was, the fuck is that guy doing? Um, and then Strasbourg got two back. Uh, from Jorke and Zohi in the 95th minute. And it was just so tense and they went to the bench at full time and one of the Montpellier staffers said we get three goals and we're not safe maybe at six we can relax and I think that is very telling that Montpellier have been very good this season but they have also had some absolute shockers and giving up a 3-0, nearly giving up a 3-0 lead was, oof, it was very tense for for the fans. So I think the Laborde-Delort um, goal-scoring competition that two of them appear to have going on is fabulous, but they might want to consider defending later on in matches. That would be really helpful. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely got that sort of end of season feel, hasn't it? Yeah, um, I mean they're out of the. There's no way they're getting European place yet now, which is um, something they were looking at at the earlier part of the season because yeah. there's just been too many screw ups. Yeah, and it's yeah. you know it's been fun, but yeah, it's a sad situation given that they were up there earlier in the season. With Desicari moving on as well, it's sort of, uh, you don't want it to peter out too much um, in terms of sort of what's, how he's going to be remembered, etc. But uh, yeah, Strasbourg um, definitely not out of the mire with uh, that defeat, despite showing heart. You'd say Brest are probably just about safe on, on 40 points, uh, just to rattle through the other results, which I wouldn't say don't matter, but, you know, kind of relevant. St Etienne one nil win, over Marseille um, guarantees their safety, which is uh, excellent for them. Thought they were really good actually in, in periods of this particular I'm, game. Seriously, I I was watching that, and for the first twenty minutes, I was like, "Well, Saint-Étienne are wearing green, and Marseille are wearing blue, and Steve Mondanda is wearing red, so that's nice." It took about twenty minutes to see what kit Etienne Green was wearing because there was nothing going up his end. And then OM rallied a bit, but then Nordan scored with a horrendous fuck-up from Bellerdi, uh trying to clear the ball and just swing in and missing. It was Sunday League classic. It was really, think, really oh, poor. Who, which of it 
which of you was it who said Sam Paoli had just put a rocket up half time yeah. because they did look much better in the second half. The stats looked a lot better. Yeah. Still didn't manage to get through. So it yeah. was Etienne Green having another very good performance. He was wearing black. Yeah, I made a couple I, of very good saves I, second half as well. Actually. Must, must yeah, be, I, must I ended up seeing that later on. So. Yeah, he was. Um, also, yeah, very... Tovan has just signed for Tigress. You just stole um... my thunder, damn you! <laughs> yeah, the, <laughs> the return of the bromance of uh, the link up of him and Jinyak is going to be quite something. No, the reason I was saying that was to say that he also got a third yellow card in however many games, so he's going to be suspended for the last match of the season. So, oh, so he's playing his last game then. That his next match will be the last, his last Marseille. Well, there you go. Um, and, and, you know, good for him for taking a challenge elsewhere, basically. And if he has any sort of the success that Big Mac did, then uh, he's going to have a, a lovely time in uh, in Mexico, which uh, got very um, very quickly um, uh, corrected on Twitter for the second time this week when I uh, said Mexico's in South America. Whoopsie. Anyway, moving on quickly. Uh, we yeah, should also... One, one other thing about that. Gignac is apparently on the long list for the France Olympic squad. Really? Yeah. Uh, that's that's definitely news to me. Wow. Okay. Well, that's that's one to keep an eye on. And what result am I missing here? Uh, nice beating Brest by three goals to two. Checks notes. Uh, Steve Mooney with a double for Brest. Um, Ronnie Lopez putting Nice level at one point after uh, Munier had actually put Brest in front. Brest went back in front through Munier before Badawi and Camera, the last-minute winner. But they nice did that down well. to 10 men, which I think shows a degree of, you know, now. Because yeah. um, Jeremy was sent off. Yes, yeah. That's uh, yeah. That was the sort of the, the downside to to that. And, and Nice, all of a sudden, like their forms just tailed off again. They were on a good run, and now they sort of slipped back. Uh, is it uh, two defeats and two wins in the last four? So it's kind of a bit of a mixed mixed bag, and lots to change with them over the summer. You would imagine. So where does that leave us? So Lille have a three point advantage now over PSG heading into the final two games of the season and uh, PSG on 76 points. So uh, just a little bit behind Monaco, 74 points in third, one point ahead of Lyon, 73 points. So it's a straight fight between those two for that spot. And then you've got the fifth place back between Lons and Marseille, both on 56. Rennes can still leapfrog both if results go their way with 55. And then you would say Montpellier, I think not, mathematically out but they are mathematically let's be honest they'd have to score a lot of goals and rely on a lot of results I don't think it's going to happen uh Nice Metz and Etienne Angers rounds Brest down to 14th and then you've got the kind of the fight between Bordeaux 39 points Strasbourg 38 points Lorient 38 points Nantes 37 points Nîmes 35 points and as we know Dijon are Ligue 2 which we will also mention because Troyes are promoted so they are coming back uh Clermont Foot in uh, Ligue 2 are hot favourites for second spot, although as we, before we went recording tonight, Toulouse do have a game in hand against Power, which if they were to win that, would cut the gap to just a single point going into the final round of games. So it's going to be one of uh, Clermont or Toulouse to go up automatically. And then after uh, I was um, uh, informed pre-pod, worked it out in the end, you've got three teams that play off in third, fourth and fifth. So uh, fourth play fifth. Which at the moment, which at the moment would be Grenoble Foot versus Paris FC, and then the winners of that game will face either Toulouse or Clermont, who will of course finish third. One of those two will finish in third place, and then obviously the winner of that tie will then face the relegation playoff spot team in League A, which hopefully won't be L'Oreal. Uh, yes, enough said there. In terms uh, of the yeah, just on uh, the Divan catch-up, the key game there. If OLPSG has been put off to the 30th of May to get the rest of the season out of the way. So that looks like it will still be the decider because PSG will be playing La Havre and Dijon. OL will be playing Issy Bordeaux and Fleury, and Bordeaux are good. So we're looking at that. that um, it may be the point that uh, by the time it comes to the catch-up game, OL will already be down, uh, rather second, 
I'm saying down, they've won for the last 12 years or something. So uh, PSG are on for winning Divan, the women's uh, league, for the first time ever and uh, making their presence felt there. So that is really um, a kind of key set of games. And we've got the Women's Champions League final coming up this Sunday, which will not, for the first time in, what, seven years, yeah. uh, include a French team. So it's going to be Chelsea-Barcelona. It's going to be awesome. But nothing to do with French people. Sign in. No. Uh, it's uh, it is definitely that um, uh, not not fork in the road. That's the wrong way of putting it. But it, it kind of it, it's like when it's like when Barcelona and Real Madrid don't get through in the Champions League, where everyone looks and goes, "Oh, that was the season where they didn't get through." So yeah, it will be certainly rather different to uh, to normal. We do need to, of course, mention the. Uh, fixtures for next week because it's a bit of a different one next week in the run-up to the end of the season where everyone plays at the same time sunday night 8 p.m uk time yep you've got to pick and choose your games which i hate because i like to watch lots no, of games you but you can know. watch the multiplex it's just not the same though just not I the same <laughs> everything happens at once and there's men yelling and then there's bingo ding 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 I, I get the uh, I get the concept, and obviously oh, yeah. it's only fair that everyone gets the opportunity to play, you know, at the same time and etc. And so on. I do get it, but it's just yeah, it's just not not the same. Anyway, he it depends on uh, what you fancy in terms of who you want to watch or what you want to watch. But you've got a choice between Bordeaux Lens, which uh, has its own issues at both ends of the of the table. Bordeaux are at home; they really need to get a result. You'd feel Lens still chasing Europe. Dijon against Nantes. Uh, Jeopardy for Nantes, of course. Dijon already down. I would back Nantes to extend that winning run to four consecutive games, personally, because Dijon are, are just very much cooked at this point. Lille against St Etienne. Obviously, that has ramifications for the title, because if Lille win that game, then uh, barring something kind of crazy, they will be champions the following week. You've then got Lorient against Metz, which is the uh, period of time where I won't be talking to Jez, um, which, uh, <laughs> again, if, if Metz were just like quite happy just to sit on the beach for this one, that would be just great because Lorient really need the points. Thank you, Jez. Uh, Marseille against Angers. Not really much to see here, but obviously Marseille are in that hunt for the fifth place. So uh, they'll be looking to try and get the three points there. Similarly, Monaco Ren, that one stands out all of a sudden, doesn't it? Monaco obviously needing to win for that Champions League fight out uh, place with Lyon. And uh, Ren looking for their result to try and leapfrog Marseille into fifth. And of course, Lons, I should say. Montpellier against Brest. Uh, nothing riding on this, but it, it might be a little bit of fun. Same with uh, Nice Strasbourg. Well, actually, no, not, not really Nice Strasbourg because Strasbourg obviously need points. So uh, away from home at Nice, although a Nice side, as I say, form is patchy. Yeah, who knows? Maybe a Jork might have his day. Nîmes against Lyon. Again, something on this game as well. The Crocs against Doel. Doel need the points for the Champions League qualification spot. And uh, Nîmes battling it out to stay in the division. And finally, PSG against Ravs. Uh, this will probably be 5 0 to PSG, and everyone, everyone will forget about everything that's been said previously for at least a week. Um, I just can't see anything else, really, to be honest, in this particular game. Um, going into the, this round. We've if... also got the Coupe de France happening. Um, By the way, Rance won that fixture last year for it's worth. Uh, fair point. Yeah, fair point. You know, as the words came out of my mouth, I did suddenly think, shit, didn't they win <laughs> you, You're very right to uh, to finger me metaphorically there, Jess. Thank you. Sorry, Phil, go on. Uh, but you, if you need to take time between yourselves, that's fine. Um, <laughs> we have Coupe de France semi-finals this Wednesday, Montpellier play PSG. And Thursday, we've got Rumi play Monaco, which could be the best go down in flames situation ever. So those are things happening, I think, on Eurosport. Um, so uh, PSG have already fucked up in two competitions this season. I think as a Montpellier fan, um, we're hoping they go for the treble. Um, 
that we play them on uh, Wednesday evening at eight o'clock your time, I think. Yes, that's so We will see, and that will set up the uh, Coupe de France final. I think we will all be supporting Rumi on Thursday, but also all knowing that probably won't happen. Yeah, we're supporting Rumi until until Monaco get through, and then we're supporting Monaco against PSG. Let's just have some hope mm. and a wonderful, wonderful uh, run from a fourth tier side who have nothing to lose. Even if they win the whole thing, probably will not go into the Europa League because they don't have the the finances or the structure but it would be brilliant. So let's all get behind Rumi Valier yeah. for uh, the next couple of weeks. Absolutely. Could be a lot of fun on that particular game. So certainly worth checking in for. Last word on Liga to you, Jess, on this pod, because I just want to know, um, uh, just, a, just a short one. Do you see any way that Lille don't win this title now? Do you think it's all pretty much done and dusted? Is, is there anything that you can look at in the last two fixtures and think to yourself, I don't know. Um, by the way, Lille have got St Etienne, as we said, on the weekend, and they finish away at Angers, who we have repeatedly mentioned on the beach. What do you reckon, Jess? St Etienne are in good form, and Lille's home form can be patchy. And then Angers last match of the season, they're going to have fans there and it's Stefan Moulin's last match in charge. So I can see Lille dropping a couple of points somewhere, um, but they can now afford to do that as long as it is just a couple of points. So I'm still not 100% confident, but this was, you know, almost a perfect weekend for Lille. Um, really difficult match that they... Um, Past to flying colours and then the bonus was that PSG dropped points as well so it will be a it will be a huge disappointment if Lille don't win it from here yeah absolutely absolutely I think uh, I think everybody other than PSG fans would say it will be quite refreshing to see the uh, to see the title go elsewhere and and if this is to be the end of of course Leo and indeed that team then uh, what a way to go out. Uh, we shall see. And I personally, although I have nothing against Lyon, I would love to see Monaco uh, finish third and get into that Champions League spot, or even second. I mean, who knows with what PSG are doing at the moment. We shall see. Right. I think we will draw a line there then. I think we've done plenty this week, got through plenty of, uh, of chat and discussion. So uh, as always, if there is anything you want to pipe in with or bring up to us, uh, do drop us a tweet. Uh, I know Jez and I are... Um, uh, trying to sort of work the Twitter a bit more during match days, uh, just at the end of the season for my, my, my case. So sorry about that. But uh, we'll be looking to, to post a bit more on there probably as we head into next season. So if there is anything that you want to hear from us or any questions you might want to ask, then please do drop us a, a tweet or slide into the DMs, as the kids say. And uh, also send us a pigeon, whatever you want to do. We'll, we'll get it eventually. But uh, until next week, uh, enjoy your multiplex. Enjoy your Coupe de France. And uh, hopefully we'll have plenty to talk about next week that doesn't involve uh, PSG shithousery in the 90th minute. We can, but hope anyway. So many thanks to both Phil and Jez for your time. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And as I say, until next week, enjoy your French football and we'll speak to you very soon.